I've interviewed many successful people over the years, and one thing I find fascinating is many of them don't consider themselves business savvy. Take the owners of Tight Knit Brewing. They turn to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards and do all of it in one place with the Chase mobile app. And that's helped these brew-loving friends turn a passion into a business. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are, leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Previously on The Dream. Okay, it begins. We're about to um, enter the zone, the wellness zone. Past life regression pop-up. It's a meditation and wellness pop-up shop. And then next door. Hot yoga. Do you believe your crystals do anything other than look pretty? Hmm. Oh my God, no. (laughs) No. No. I'll say this. Dan, they're rocks. All of this talk of wellness, of being healthy and having a positive mindset and all that, from the very beginning of intently thinking about it because of this podcast, it's really caused my anxiety to spike. My days are filled with creepy thoughts about what my insides look like, where cancer is growing or might grow later, how clogged my arteries probably are, and what my liver thinks of everything. It's not just days. The anxiety is creeping into nighttime, too. It's, let's see, 11.04 at night. I woke up out of my sleep tonight with the idea that I should try to do wellness. I had a nightmare uh, that the speaker system at the drive-thru at Arby's stopped working. Sorry. And then I um I was the one at the speaker when I was trying to make my order and I couldn't. And then a line of like 30 cars lined up behind me and they were all honking at me, but no one could hear me on the other side of the speaker. Um I was hungry in the middle of the night. I think it's kind of one of those dreams where you have to pee and you really do have to pee. At any rate, for this podcast, perhaps I could get healthy. <laughs> I don't know how. That's not true. I'm unhealthy, not a complete ding-dong. 
What I mean is that I don't know how to actually implement wellness in my life in a way that's authentic. Like, my first concern was that I'd have to stop eating fast food, obviously. And then I'd have to throw out everything in my house, every cleaning product and toiletry and all my makeup. Maybe the crystals Dan has given me are all wrong or in the wrong places. Or what if the stress from never chilling out is killing me? What if I'm living in the wrong place in the wrong body with all the wrong stuff entirely? At first, I considered hiring someone to help me figure out where to start. And the person who came to mind was Teddy Mellencamp of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and her father's fame. Once I started holding myself accountable, I just said, I'm going to open my own Instagram account. I'm going to name it something, and I'm going to post my workouts every single day. And I just said, hi, I'm Teddy Mellencamp Ariave. Follow me if you're lost in your journey and you're trying to figure out what to do. Let's see what happens. According to the TV show, she's an accountability coach, which I imagined meant that I could hire her to call me every single day and remind me to eat well and work out and keep a gratitude journal or something. But she wasn't available because it turns out you can't just call people you see on TV and ask them to fix your life. And then I recalled a very buzzy wellness guru here in L.A., a woman named Amanda Chantal Bacon. Here's a video of Amanda from the New York Times. grabbed us a selection of really potent foods that I put into my diet almost every day. We're going for something that's going to be energizing and also good for the brain. So we're sort of winging it here. That's what's happening. And we are going to start with a base, a raw sprouted stone ground nut butter. The next one that we're going to go for are tocotrienols. And then we are going to be adding this protein blend. The amino acid profile is very, very, very similar, almost exact to human breast milk. Does it body good? Our next trick. We're gonna no offense, Amanda, but after everything I've read about you, I don't really feel like sitting down and talking would be very productive or very nice of me. But to be fair, I reached out anyway and got no response from your press office or the request that I submitted through your website. So I'm just going to talk about you. Amanda runs a company called Moon Juice. They make supplements and things that seem kind of like foods, and they have a couple cafes here in L.A., but if you're not in L.A., you can get their stuff at Sephora. Seriously. They have products called dusts, brain dust and sex dust and beauty dust that contain things like pulverized dehydrated mushrooms of different sorts and root extracts and berry powders and pearl, like actual pearl. I use pearl almost every day. This pearl powder is literally... And the other thing that's nice is you can actually put this on your face at night. Ashwagandha, I try to get a little bit of ashwagandha in every day as well. And our last guy here... Amanda's been written about by Elle magazine and New York magazine and Bon Appetit and everybody. And somehow, even though I love keeping up with the gossip about her, I've managed to avoid going into her cafe, which is literally down the street from my house. It's so close I could walk there, but this is L.A. I had never noticed this place before, but it's right by Dan's house, too. It's like the middle spot between my house and Dan's house. Maybe this will be our new hangout. In the store, I talked to the saleswoman, and she was very woo-woo, and told me how some powder could fix my pancreas, but I didn't bring up my pancreas. She brought up my pancreas. She recommended a combo of protein powder and a thing called tocos, which is a product name of a thing called tocotrienols, which is, it turns out, just rice bran, but a very expensive version of rice bran. 
just left Moon Juice and I want to um, try to remember the sales pitch before I get home and forget it. Uh, okay. The vanilla mushroom apto- oh, adaptogenic protein that I got is um, protein. I don't know. She said something about ashwagandha, reishi, cordyceps, something about antioxidants. And um, this will help me help my muscles feel better or my body feel better in some way. No, wait, that was the other one. I don't know. And then I've chose the beauty dust and the power dust. I ended up buying four jars of powders and it was just over $200, which made me think that maybe you only put a tiny sprinkle on or in something or whatever you do with it. So I asked the sales lady and she said I could mix it in whatever I want, water, tea, nut milks, or sprinkle them on any of my food, or I could just eat it by the spoonful, which reminded me of my favorite interview with the owner of Moon Juice. It was in the New York Times Sunday Magazine a few years ago. The reporter, Molly Young, asked Amanda, is it possible to overdose on dust? And Amanda said, no, you're good. You're safe. I mean, is it possible to overdose? You'd probably have severe physical symptoms first. And here I was thinking that severe physical symptoms was the definition of overdosing. But seriously, there are no directions on the bottles. No information about how many grams or milligrams of what I'm getting per whatever serving I choose or how often I'm supposed to mix it and not, nothing. <laughs> Might as well be blank. I thought I'd be able to ask Dan since he takes all kinds of weird powders and stuff, but it was only after I spent all this money that he informed me he's recently thrown everything out of his cupboards because of this woman. I'm Catherine Price. I'm a science journalist and the author of Vitamania, How Vitamins Revolutionize the Way We Think About Food. Hi. Hi. Yeah, so what you were saying was right. After I spoke with Catherine, I uh, ended up throwing away a lot of crazy stuff from my uh, pantry. Forgive me for not knowing the answer to this already. What vitamins were you taking? <laughs> I know that you had green powder stuff that you would put in um, one of those hydro flasks or whatever, like a insulated water bottle. And shake it up with juice? Yeah. Yeah. What was that? That's moringa powder. Okay. What um, is that? Well, I was taking it because one of the things that it's supposed to be able to help with is um, poor circulation. Wait, what What made you decide that? I don't know. It's, Wait, you it's were just basic like, ignorance. I know there was other stuff lying around the house, but I don't really know. So the, I had two bottles that looked like kind of like the giant... Dr. Bronner's. Um, <laughs> one was a like a morning multi and one was a nighttime multi mm. or multi. And then I would take more vitamins. Um, <laughs> I had these sprays for uh, vitamins E and D. They were just vitamin E and D? Mm -hmm. Anything else? I mean, I think that was it. No, there was that other one actually now. The oh. other one, the NAD plus stuff. Oh, sure. That one I believe in, and I don't know why. Uh, me too, and I don't know why. That's supposed to, like, extend your cellular health or something? Mm. 
Is yeah, that a thing? It sure is. It's literally <laughs> the one that tells you you'll live longer and look younger. Yeah. So that's the thing that's so funny. Like, that is the most uh, grandiose claim of anything I've ever taken before. Yeah. And yet I just was like, great. <laughs> Let's do it. Like, not even an ounce of skepticism. All of that stuff. And then you talk to Catherine. Yeah. And she explained to me a lot about what it was I was putting into my body or really what I didn't know about what I was putting into my body. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that was how I ended up throwing a bunch of stuff away. The first thing you guys talked about was like real basic. Yeah. I mean, I really just wanted to find out what a vitamin actually was. I would say a couple things. The easiest definition would be that there are 13 chemicals known as vitamins, and they're substances that we need in very, very small amounts, without which we would develop a particular deficiency disease. And in most, but not in all cases, we can't make them ourselves. The 13 vitamins that Catherine is referring to are vitamins A, C, D, E, and K, and eight different B vitamins. These 13 micronutrients... Our bodies need them, but we weren't born being able to produce them on our own, with one exception, vitamin D, which we can produce, but not without the help of sunshine. In the olden days, we had to get all of them from our food. And then when were vitamins discovered? So the heyday of it, I would say, is the late 1800s and early 1900s. The word vitamin itself was coined in 1911 by a Polish biochemist named Casimir Funk, and at that point, no vitamins actually had been isolated. So they were suspected, but they weren't actually isolated from foods. And a lot of his contemporaries really didn't like the term. In fact, he had trouble getting it published. It was only published in 1912, in part because they were arguing for their own terms for these substances, which included ideas like food hormones and uh, food accessory factors If you think about it, I find it difficult to believe that if they had been called food accessory factors, that we would end up with a giant dietary supplement industry. Because food accessory (laughs) factor, not that great of a word. No. Vitamin, really great word. Yeah, exactly. Would you buy something called food accessory factor fortified nut milks? Maybe you would. The process of discovering vitamins was very long. Because if you think about it, discovering a vitamin isn't like someone gives you a treasure map and you go dig somewhere in the forest and it's like X marks the vitamin C and then you're like, oh, I found it, you know, and moving on. It actually took a really long time for people to recognize deficiency diseases, like what they were, that it was a deficiency, and then to identify what sorts of food seemed to prevent that disease. The whole idea of the lack of something causing a disease was very difficult. One interesting conflating factor that one might argue, delayed the discovery of vitamins was that in the 1870s, that was when people discovered that germs, first of all, existed and that little bacteria were behind many of the world's most destructive diseases. And so that was incredibly exciting to realize, like cholera had a bacteria behind it. And if you could figure out where the bacteria was, you could work on preventing and curing cholera. But once you have that mindset, it makes it more difficult to recognize diseases where the the cause is an absence of something. So there's actually a bunch of different deficiency diseases, and one I'm sure that people have heard of is the old sailor's disease, scurvy. What is scurvy? Scurvy is caused by a lack of vitamin C, and it does 
terrible things. To I you. know it from Grapes of Wrath, I think, because mm-hmm. they finally is that the one where they mm-hmm. finally get to the um like the orange groves in California and they're like grabbing oranges that have fallen off of trees to combat their scurvy. I haven't read that in a long time, but that yeah. sounds right. Yeah. One of the main ways you could get scurvy is, is you go on a boat and now instead of traveling short distances, the boats are bigger. This is kind of, you know, as boats got bigger mm-hmm. and could travel long distances, then you have to figure out what kind of food are you going to take. Mm-hmm. And, and there's not really fresh produce on the open seas. No, there isn't. And so what they ended up eating a lot of were biscuits or fish, and neither of those are high in vitamin C. And scurvy is a really terrible disease. You end up with open sores all over your body and in your mouth. Your gums end up turning a kind of gummy, blackish color and texture. Um, Your teeth can fall out and... Yeah, it's just pretty brutal. What other kinds of deficiency diseases? Um, Well, one that is still kicking around a lot is night blindness. And that's caused by a lack of vitamin A. So you got scurvy, you got night blindness. What else is there? Beriberi. What's that one? So beriberi is caused by a lack of thiamine or vitamin B1. And it uh, attacks your cardio and uh, respiratory systems. So... All of these sorts of diseases have been around since the beginning of time if people don't have access to, like, the right kind of food. Right. But it wasn't until, like, 100 years ago then that they figured out the cause of any of this stuff. Yeah, it it took a really long time, but then it progressed very rapidly. One of the reasons why it took such a long time is because of what Catherine was talking about. With germs and bacteria being discovered around the same time as vitamins, you had these kind of competing scientific discoveries. An example of how that played out with Barry Berry, that became a problem with a technological advancement, which was men's ability to make white rice as opposed to brown rice, which still has the husk on it. And when you take the husk off, you lose the thiamine and you end up with Barry Berry as a result. So even when people had figured out that there was some connection between the types of rice that people were being fed and Barry Berry, there was a long period of time where people were insistent that there must be a bacteria present in one form of the rice that was causing the beriberi, that it wasn't the absence of this invisible substance. So when you think about it that way, you realize that's really hard to figure out, that there's an invisible substance that you can't measure and you can't see and you can't taste, and that's what must be behind this. At the same time, on top of everyone still being bananas about germs, the Industrial Revolution had just happened, and foods were suddenly being mass-produced and processed. Foods are delicate, Heating and cooling and preserving them often destroys a lot of the really important stuff, like vitamins. So now you've got vitamins isolated, and you can fortify foods with them. You know, put the stuff back in that you just took out. And people were nuts about this discovery, too. In fact, a few of the most prominent scientists working on vitamin discovery were also writing about it in magazines that you could get at the grocery store checkout, like Good Housekeeping and McCall's. And it kind of freaked the public out. This idea that there's an invisible substance that's maybe in your food, or maybe not. Who knows? How would you know? If it's not there, you could die. So there was a bit of a panic. And you can see that directly carrying through to today, where we take all of these supplements, not just vitamins, but dietary supplements, out of hope that they're going to help us live long, healthy lives and fear that if we don't take them, something horrible is going to happen to us.
Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on these storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients, each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Hello, hello. Malcolm Gladwell here. Are you a fan of true crime podcasts? How about investigative reporting from award-winning journalists? If you are, then you'll want to tune in to the new content coming from Pushkin this summer that you can listen to early and ad-free. Our team has exciting new seasons from podcasts like Deep Cover, The Nameless Man, from Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Jake Halpern, and Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock, the story of the woman behind painter Jackson Pollock's fame, plus a new season of Lost Hills, Dark Canyon, which investigates the dark side of Malibu, California, and a brand new show coming in July called Where's Dia? About the sudden vanishing of a millionaire widow in California. You won't want to miss Pushkin's True Crime Spree coming this summer. And if you want to binge these shows early and ad-free, you can hear all of Pushkin's content by becoming a Pushkin Plus subscriber. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or by visiting pushkin.fm slash plus. You can't take a vitamin until scientists have figured out how to isolate it and synthesize it to actually be able to make it so that you can do things like add it back to foods or create a dietary supplement product with it. The real ability to take vitamins as pills really starts in like early 30s, mm-hmm. late 20s, like when the first vitamins are actually isolated and, and processes are developed to synthesize them. And then that really does start to take off so that by World War II, you've got synthetic vitamins being a real source of concern and some companies providing vitamin packs for their workers, a whole three-day conference for national defense focusing on vitamins in particular uh, with a concern that American soldiers were going to lose the war because they would not be adequately nourished when it came to vitamins. Here's an ad that Westinghouse, the kitchen appliance manufacturer, put out about what they called vitamized foods. A healthy America is a strong America. Yet, some of our leading nutrition authorities tell us that in this nation, 40% of the men, women, and children 
are improperly fed and undernourished. You ask, is there a practical remedy for this appalling condition? You bet there is. Unsung heroes, working with tireless persistence, have discovered the vital influence of vitamins and minerals in our health. These discoveries have a far-reaching effect on our daily lives. So profit by the research of that great army of B-men. Yes, a healthy America is a strong America. Thankfully, nowadays at least, American companies can't require their employees to take a certain vitamin every morning. So Catherine figured if you want to find a testing ground for the nexus between productivity and nutrition, go to the place where people don't get to choose. That's how she ended up in Natick, Massachusetts, home of the United States Army Soldiers System Center. Uh, Yeah, I went to Natick, which is where they work on, as one person put it to me, everything that doesn't shoot out of a gun. So it's like everything from MREs, the meals ready to eat, to uh, flame-resistant fabrics. It's a very interesting place to visit. So the military is in this interesting position where they have to meet the nutritional needs of their the armed forces, but they also have to have foods that last a really long time. So they're completely dependent on putting synthetic vitamins into the f- the foods that they're creating for the members to eat. One thing I found really interesting when I was asking the people at Natick about how they decided the levels of vitamins to put into the foods that they give to the warfighters is that you'd think the military would know better than most organizations whether or not there's a benefit to adding vitamins beyond the basic levels. So in other words, is it really going to be beneficial to put a ton of vitamin C into a product? If it is, they're going to do it. So I think it's really telling that they don't. Basically, the products, the foods are designed to get you up to the recommended dietary intakes, but they're not giving their foods like extra boosts of vitamins in the way that many of us in the general public do when we take extra supplements for a purpose like warding off colds. So we know when vitamins came around, but when do you start seeing the rise of the supplement industry? The rise of the supplement industry starts obviously when you have vitamins and pills as a possibility. And then it starts to expand in the 50s and 60s with a real explosion in the 70s. And that explosion is in part cultural because of distrust of, quote, government or the pharmaceutical industry, and it's in part because of several celebrity influencers, to use a modern term, people who are really pushing supplement products as alternative ways to prevent or cure diseases. Who's the original Gwyneth Paltrow here? So one was a guy named Linus Pauling. Uh, who was a molecular chemist, he started saying things like vitamin C could prevent cancer. He had done some studies, studies that have since been debunked by, among others, the Mayo Clinic. Um, common sense. Common sense. Um, <laughs> and and then he wrote a book called Vitamin C in the Common Cold. In that book, he talked about vitamin C being able to cure the common cold. That's not true either. Does vitamin C ward off colds, from what you can tell? No, there's not been good research showing that vitamin C does anything to actually prevent colds. There's been, like, a little bit of evidence that maybe it will shorten the duration, but I don't think it's strong enough to warrant all the sales of airborne that are going on during cold season. With that said, if you're taking a sugar pill and you believe that it's going to prevent colds, it may actually prevent colds because the placebo effect is extremely strong. 
So in the case of vitamin C, I don't think most people are doing themselves a huge amount of harm by taking these vitamin C products, but it probably would be just as effective if someone tricked you and gave you like, just a pill with, I don't know, sugar in it. So Linus Pauling is the one to blame for emergency. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty much. Anyways, uh, it was at this point where there was something I kind of wanted to clear up about the terminology we're using here. Is there actually a difference between vitamins and supplements? Or are we kind of talking about the same thing? Dietary supplements and vitamins are not the same thing. Vitamins are dietary supplements when they're in pill form, but dietary supplements are not all vitamins. So again, there's 13 human vitamins, but there's more than, last time I checked, 87,000 dietary supplement products on the U.S. market, which do include vitamin products. But it is a category that goes way, way, way beyond just vitamins or their counterpart minerals. Mm -hmm. um, so a dietary supplement that, that can include weight loss products, sexual enhancement products, bodybuilding products, things like herbals and botanicals like St. John's wort. It's a very wide ranging category. And you can see how big it is, and you can see some of the confusion if you go into your local drugstore, for example, at Rite Aid, and you look at the names they put on the aisles, you'll often see that there's an aisle that's called vitamins, but it really should be labeled dietary supplements, because if you look at the products that are in that aisle, you will see that it is not just 13-letter <laughs> vitamins. There's a crazy assortment. Everything in GNC or vitamin shop, mm -hmm. again, using the word vitamin, those are dietary supplements. I know Catherine just said it, but pause for a second and think about this. Close your eyes and imagine those beautiful white and yellow and green rows and rows and rows of pill bottles and tinctures and sprays and a million different brands and doses hanging out all over the vitamin aisles. Do we really need all that stuff? In the 60s and 70s and then all the way up to the 90s, I would say that the FDA is really trying to figure out a way to regulate supplement products, including vitamins, at the same time that that genre of product is exploding. So people are becoming more interested in them. At the same time, the FDA is basically like, oh, oh dear, wait, wait a second. Like products are coming out that are not trying to replicate oranges. They're like trying to give vitamin C at crazy doses, like grams of vitamin C as opposed to milligrams, or that contain different substances altogether, all lumped under vitamin. Like this doesn't seem like a great idea. Like we probably should have some rules just as we've got standards in place for what enriched flour is versus non-enriched flour or um, basic safety checks for like selling a toothpaste, you know, being sure that it's not going to burn the inside of someone's mouth, like some kind of basic system here for this supplement market. And so they have a number of these attempts to change the way that the products are labeled in particular, and also to set standards so that there's instructions for what a particular type of product should contain, like what level of vitamins should it contain if it's a vitamin C product, or should there be a limit beyond which the product is going to have to be considered an over-the-counter drug instead of a supplement. So like if it's a vitamin C at a level that could be consumed in food, it's one thing. And if it's vitamin C at a level way beyond that, maybe it's not really a food-like substance anymore. And maybe now it's a over-the-counter drug. And that freaked out the nascent supplement industry. And they managed to get a number of really influential pieces of legislation passed. One of those was the Proxmire Amendment in 1976, which basically forbid the FDA from ever setting standards or limits on what vitamin products could contain. This right here is what should freak you out the most. If you're wondering who's minding the store, the FDA truly tried. The FDA, who we've mandated to do exactly this, make sure the products we're buying and putting in our bodies are safe, 
They tried to do that. And the supplement industry saw it as an opportunity to say that the government was taking away your basic rights. So they threw a bunch of money at lobbyists and basically cut the FDA off at the knees while they were trying to do their jobs. So you and I and Dan, we're all on our own. So the FDA could not say, okay, you can't have beyond X amount of vitamin C per pill. And it couldn't say that a standard multivitamin, by definition, must contain all 13 vitamins and these minerals. If you actually look at the supplement facts on the back of multivitamin products, you will see that they don't all contain even the same vitamins and minerals, <laughs> especially gummies. And a lot of adults love gummy vitamins. But if you look at what vitamins the gummies contain, it's not the same as the chewables and they're not the same as the ones that you swallow. I looked at the ingredients in Centrum Women's Multivitamin, that's the one you swallow, and Centrum Women's Multigummies. One has 40% of your recommended daily intake of vitamin A, while the other has 117%. One has 17% of your daily zinc, while the other has 73%. And one has 100% of your iron for the day, while the other contains no iron at all. You've heard of anemia, right? It's commonly caused by iron deficiency. And anemia is much more prevalent in women than men, especially when we're pregnant. So it's weird that a women's multivitamin wouldn't contain any iron. I'm not going to even bother telling you which one is which, because who cares? The manufacturer doesn't. And so the Proxmire Amendment blocked the FDA's ability to create a system where there would be consistency. So you start to have these various pieces of legislation that take more and more power away from the FDA and start to shift it into the hands of the supplement industry. And they do that in a really genius way where they get the American public and the consumers to work for the supplement industry by framing this entire debate as a matter of personal freedom and saying that the FDA wants to take your vitamins away, even though the FDA never was trying to ban vitamin supplements. And in many cases, what the dietary supplement industry is advocating for they're not vitamins, they're dietary supplements, they're different substances. The supplement industry convinced the American public that keeping the FDA's hands tied was a matter of personal liberty. Instead of the industry going to the FDA and being like, let's work together and make sure nobody, you know, dies from our products, they told the public, you can't trust the government. Does that sound familiar? So the Proxmire Amendment, that's 1976. And then, in 1994, they did it again. Only this time they had more money and more politicians on their side. And they dug the hole even deeper. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on these storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients, each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. 
J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Hello, hello. Malcolm Gladwell here. Are you a fan of true crime podcasts? How about investigative reporting from award-winning journalists? If you are, then you'll want to tune in to the new content coming from Pushkin this summer that you can listen to early and ad-free. Our team has exciting new seasons from podcasts like Deep Cover, The Nameless Man, from Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Jake Halpern, and Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock, the story of the woman behind painter Jackson Pollock's fame. Plus, a new season of Lost Hills, Dark Canyon, which investigates the dark side of Malibu, California. And a brand new show coming in July called Where's Dia? About the sudden vanishing of a millionaire widow in California. You won't want to miss Pushkin's True Crime Spree coming this summer. And if you want to binge these shows early and ad-free, you can hear all of Pushkin's content by becoming a Pushkin Plus subscriber. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or by visiting pushkin.fm slash plus. Next time on The Dream. There are so many, so many products on the market, and you can't, you can't even know necessarily what's in the products because in many cases they have so-called proprietary blends that is basically like code terminology for secret because they don't tell you what those proprietary ingredients are. The example I use in the, my book, which I thought was very funny but also distressing, was this product called Natural Curves, which had a prominent photo of a woman's cleavage on it and then lots of uses of the word natural, 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 natural. And then like its purpose was quite clear. And when I looked at the online reviews for this product, people were saying it did stuff. Like, they were talking about breaking out in pimples like they did when they were in high school, and they were talking about what it actually did do to their breasts, and then when they stopped taking it, like, they went back to, I don't know, like, deflated balloons, I forgot the terminology. Nonetheless, they gave it, like, a four and a half star rating, but I was like, this is where it gets scary, because the best case scenario is that natural curves does not do anything to your body, but if it is giving you acne, it is doing something to your hormones. All of that freaky stuff and more is coming up next time on The Dream. The Dream is a production of Little Everywhere and Stitcher, written and reported by me, Jane Marie, and Dan Gallucci. Editing by Peter Clowney and Tracy Samuelson, with production by Stephanie Karayuki and Lyra Smith. The Dream is executive produced by me, Dan Gallucci, Peter Clowney, and Chris Bannon. Our mixing engineers are Casey Holford and Brendan Burns. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks for listening.
When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hello, hello. Malcolm Gladwell here. Are you a fan of true crime podcasts? How about investigative reporting from award-winning journalists? If you are, then you'll want to tune in to the new content coming from Pushkin this summer that you can listen to early and ad-free. Our team has exciting new seasons from podcasts like Deep Cover, The Nameless Man, from Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Jake Halpern, and Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock, the story of the woman behind painter Jackson Pollock's fame, plus a new season of Lost Hills, Dark Canyon, which investigates the dark side of Malibu, California, and a brand new show coming in July called Where's Dia? about the sudden vanishing of a millionaire widow in California. You won't want to miss Pushkin's True Crime Spree coming this summer. And if you want to binge these shows early and ad-free, you can hear all of Pushkin's content by becoming a Pushkin Plus subscriber. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or by visiting pushkin.fm slash plus.